Yeah, and that's so true. And I think it's it's your ability to be able to adapt as your life changes is so important. And like you said, the balance isn't like 50% towards my running, 50% towards my work. Um, it's, it is, it's working out what your priorities are for yourself and um, in different parts of my life that has, you know, forever altered. And like you said, I'm, I'm about to become a mum. So the priority of, of being selfish and putting me first is going to shift, but um, that's totally okay because that's where I need to alter the balance of, of what is going on in my life. And yeah, I think it's so important to be adaptive. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well-equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, Balancers, and welcome to episode 77 of The Balance Theory podcast. Before I introduce today's guest to you all, I want to ask you a question. Are you tired? Now, I'm guessing the answer is probably yes, because how many times when people ask, oh, how are you? You go, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm just so tired. I'm so tired all the time. It's almost just become like a bit of a default response to how we feel all the time. And so I just wanted to take the opportunity to open up this episode with a reminder, and that is learn to rest, not quit. So if you're tired, reconsider how you have been spending your time and energy And it's not a signal that you need to quit or give up on things that you are dreaming about or really want, but maybe you need to reconsider the quality of your rest or even whether rest time is present or not. So just have a think about whether you are making that time for your self-care and recovery, because you don't want to confuse that with demotivating yourself, giving up on what you want, etc. With that being said, I'm honored to introduce you guys to Genevieve Gregson, who is a three-time Olympic finalist who specialized in the 3000 meter steeplechase, which if you have no idea what that is, you're not alone. I had no idea either, but she does explain it to us today on the podcast. She's a two times world champion finalist, and she's just started her own run club with her partner called Gregson Running. Today, we chat about the career path of becoming an Olympian, which is something I was super fascinated about. Like, do you want to become Olympian from a young age? And if so, how do you even get into it? So that was really interesting to hear Jen's, I guess, trajectory and journey, what it actually takes to get there. And not only that, once you get there to win three gold medals, the mindset required to achieve that and pull that off. We also speak about taking opportunities that may feel crazy and very scary at the time, but how long-term it can be the best decision that you make. She shares her hardest moment in her athletic career. And I also quiz her about whether she experienced any self-doubt along the way. Now, for anybody who has tried to run or is interested in running and you've come up against that negative mental chatter that kind of tells you to stop, I asked Jen about whether she as a professional runner experiences this and she shares her thoughts on that, which was super comforting. That might give it away her answer a little bit. And lastly, she shares a little bit about how she uses lists to approach busy days and make sure she stays balanced and on task. You guys can connect with Jen Moore on Instagram. She's actually currently pregnant. So been following along her journey, which has just been beautiful. So big congratulations to Jen. And there's no better way to enjoy and spread the love than to share this episode with one or two friends that you think will also love it as much as you. If you have two minutes to leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do so. It really helps us grow our community. And it's also a really good way for me to get your feedback and read your lovely thoughts. That's it from me, guys. Let's dive straight in. 
Alrighty, Balancers. This morning I'm joined by Genevieve Gregson. Genevieve, a very warm welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. It's so lovely to have you on the show. No, I'm so excited to be here, Erica. Thank you for having me. No problem. I'm really excited, actually. I've gotten you on the show at this moment in your life. I know that sounds so dramatic, but I know you've had quite a lot going on and you're also having a baby in June, which is so exciting. So big congratulations to you, but no doubt a a massive period of change for you, which is always an interesting moment to have a chat to people. So I'm, I'm really glad to have you on at this point in time. But I guess for the listeners who may not have come across you before, maybe they don't already follow your journey. Can you share a little bit of about who you are and what you currently do. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, my name is Genevieve Gregson. Previously, my maiden name was Lacaz. So I have been running for a very long time. I'm a professional athlete and now a three-time Olympian, which is exciting. Uh, I'm a distance runner. So I obviously started off just in little athletics and doing stuff on the track, but my journey has pretty much taken me right up until up to the distance of 10 kilometers. Uh, But my pet event is the 3000 meter steeplechase, which is a grueling event, which is the reason why I'm sidelined after Tokyo. I actually (laughs) ruptured my Achilles at the Olympic game. Um, But yeah, I, I've spent my life traveling the world. We actually have to spend six months of each year in Europe. That's where the season is. So due to the fact that we're in the Southern hemisphere here, the, the seasons are all back to front. So We do some races here, usually do the Olympic trials or world champ trials or com games trials. And then from about April onwards, we we fly overseas and we're there till about September doing track races and road races. And yeah, that's where we kind of make the most of our season. So I am in a transition phase right now. It's it's a very, very different period for me. Um, I've never obviously been through this type of journey before, but Um, I have been injured many a times before and I thought with the road ahead with my Achilles surgeries and you know the really the likelihood of me being back running in the next year is um, slim to none so I thought I've always wanted to be a mum it's it's something that you know we all have lists (laughs) this part of my list has been untouched up until this point and (laughs) yeah I now 28 weeks pregnant and really excited for the journey ahead because I don't plan on retiring. I think that's the biggest shock uh, for a lot of people that ask the question of, you know, what's next. Um, I am going to continue to try balance being a mum, being a professional athlete and also taking on a new event, which is the marathon. So there is a lot ahead. Yeah. A lot that I don't know about, but um, I'm always up for a challenge and it's something that I'm really excited uh, and looking forward to. Oh, that's really exciting. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how your, you know, your future races and wherever you venture off goes into. But for those listening who may not know what, um, just I quickly wanted to touch on, what can you just explain what steeplechase actually is? Yeah, it's a really strange event and a lot of people <laughs> are confused by it or why we do it. Um, it is a newer event. It came into the Olympics in 2008 for women. It had been around um, for a few more cycles for the men. Uh, and it's 3,000 metres, so it's technically seven and a half laps of a normal athletic track. Uh, however, we have four barriers uh, each lap, but they're the type of barriers that honestly horses jump. They're big wooden steeples. Um, and then once a lap as well, there is another wooden steeple that you have to push off and land into a water jump. So it's a very strange event in the sense that it's almost mixing cross-country running mm. with track running. Um, you still wear spikes. You don't wear socks because of the water part. 
Um, and yeah, it's it's an event that's really, really grown and the world record just keeps getting broken and, and lowered. So um, the women competing in it, yeah, really flocking to the event because it is such a challenging and different event for people that are really agile and durable and enjoy distance running. And it's kind of all combined in one. So I love the event. I think my days of the event are behind me. Um, thankful for me, the one the one thing I wanted to do in my career was break the Australian record, which I managed to do. Um, but I think with, it is really hard on your body and my Achilles tendons on both sides have kind of proven that I would probably enough. run my course <laughs> in that event. Yeah. And You've I'm ready your to staple. shoot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I ran my last race. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's time to just do something that's, I mean, it sounds crazy that the marathon seems easier on the body, but it's just so much more straightforward when it comes to training and intensity. Yeah, and maybe more sustainable if you're looking at your long term, right? Exactly. Awesome. I'm always curious because I have had a couple athletes on before. Was this um, a career, I suppose, that you always knew you were going to go into? Did you fall into it? How did the how did it sort of start? Mm, it it is a strange. Uh, it is a niche sort of field to be in, uh, to say when I tell people that I'm a professional athlete and I run track, it's confusing that they're like, how do you um, make a living out of that? But when I grew up, I was always uh, so excited to meet an Olympian. I didn't care what sport or what event. Uh, I just loved the idea of being the best at you know what you do. And I was always very active as a child. I have three brothers and we're all pretty much a year apart. So my mum, for some reason, no rest. having four kids <laughs> yeah, was the only way to do it. Um, so I just kind of grew up with that sort of uh, atmosphere, really, of just always um, trying to keep up with my brothers, very competitive. And as I moved through school, I did, you know, a lot of sports, but I honestly wasn't very skillful in many of them and just noticed that. I was very aerobic. I loved to run. I um, never ran out of energy. Even my husband to this day says that he thinks I have an abnormal amount of energy when it comes to just regular activities throughout the day. And yeah, I think it wasn't until I went to college in America, I was offered a scholarship to go to University of Florida and um, pretty much compete as a student, but you also are a full-time uh, sorry, compete as an athlete, but you're also a full-time student. So it was a little bit of a taste of that professional running life where you are, your main goal is athletics and then, you know, school was on the side or, you know, whatever else you had going on. So my was that a random, sorry, was that like a random degree you had to study on the side or was it linked to the running? A random, whatever you want. I mean, you could have done law, you could have done medicine, yeah. you could have done anything. And the crazy thing is, it is different schooling over there. So as long as you showed that, you know, you had decent grades and did all the work you were meant to do as to get your high school diploma, you could do any course. Um, whereas, you know, in Australia, you have to get a certain score to be able to go to medicine or go to law. So mm. it was one of those things where it was such an opportunity that, you know, it'd be silly to pass. And even though as an 18 year old, I was so against it, I hated the thought of leaving home and living in America and, leaving my brothers but my parents just saw the opportunity for what it was and they said even if you hate running you're going to get a free degree you know that's mm. unheard of so um, take this opportunity more for your career post running um, yeah. and if running doesn't work out it doesn't matter so yeah I took that leap leap of faith um, and was very 
nervous about it, but that led me to my first Olympic Games four years later where, um, you know, I was just in time selected for the 2012 Olympics. And I mean, that was the start of my career. That's when I realized this is exactly what I need to be doing. This is where I want to be. And I mean, we're now a decade on and I still have that desire and passion passion to go to another Olympic Games and make my fourth one in Paris. So um, everything obviously happens for a reason, but it's also about taking um, opportunities that may seem scary. And I think that's something that I've always embraced. Yeah, absolutely. And being open and receptive to them as well, because that could have very easily not happened. And, you know, you could have gone down a different path. So it's, it, I love I love hearing stories like this when people just follow that intuitive, like this seems like a really crazy random idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then later, like 10 years, they're like, Oh, I, I know why I did that now. <laughs> That's awesome. So you've had a 10-year, let's say, career in, in Olympic com- competing. What do you think was the hardest moment in that athletic career and what has it taught you? Yeah, I think the hardest thing, and most professional athletes will probably agree, is I'd say there's two factors that make it really difficult. One is as a professional athlete, you're selfish. You have to make so many choices that are just purely on what your body needs, what you need mentally, physically, emotionally, because you're always pushing yourself to that finest point um, to get the most optimal performance. And for me, being selfish was hard only because I came from a big family where family was so important and it was everything. And even though I still believe that, I had to make so many sacrifices along the way because I was, I've been away from home for, yeah, the last nearly 15 years. And, you know, I've missed um, many weddings, many birthdays, many um, deaths, many um, just really special once in a lifetime moments with your family that, you know, you probably will never say, oh yeah, I'm glad I was away for that. You know, you're Mm. always regretting missing so many occasions, but I, you know, have to just kind of think in hindsight, that was me, you know, chasing my journey and and doing what I needed to do to be the best I could be. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily always like that. You know, there are a lot of occasions you probably should be home for, but I just felt like a lot of the time I had to just accept that, you know, I was the child that was away and, and missing everything or trying to Skype in or Zoom in or FaceTime. Um, so that's, that's something that you have to be willing to do and not hold against yourself and regret. Mm. Um, and the second thing I would say with teaching myself lessons is as a professional athlete, you're also riddled with adversity when it comes to injury. And um, pretty much up until my first Olympics, I'd never experienced an injury. I was young and, and um, durable and could handle <laughs> anything. But come 22, 23, when I had my first major injury, it really just triggered a series of, of um, a career that really uh, I couldn't string together a year or two without something popping up. And it's, it wasn't necessarily that I was missing major events. I was always up and about for Com Games or World Champs or the Olympic Games, but a constant batter to your, to your confidence and, um, you know, your ability is, is really difficult to deal with early on. And I think I learned along the way that these bumps in the road were just meant to kind of teach me how to handle just life itself. And I feel like injuries have enabled me to have a mindset that can face general life difficulties that aren't injury related. You know, I am very good in a high stress environment now, which I can't say I I was before this Mm. sport. 
And, um, you know, when, when I'm in Queensland right now and my mum just lost her nearly her whole house in the floods and, you know, she calls me probably looking for a little bit of sympathy, someone to cry to, but, you know, I'm always on to like, how are we going to fix this? What's the next step forward? Um, you know, and just always trying to plan the next move ahead. And I've always been that way. And she said that I've written lists, whether it was in a book or my phone, my whole life since I was a little girl. And I think the sport just taught me to remove anxiety and more turn it into a problem solving mm. sort of mindset and yeah this I wouldn't have been able to do that without this sport I don't think yeah that's awesome when you can like high level see what this specific niche area has taught you but but take like the practical tips and apply them like to life in general and that's why I love interviewing people from all different walks of life from all different careers because no matter what they say no matter how niche it is to what they're doing you really can pull apart those um principles I suppose that can apply to day-to-day life and when we talk about balance on the podcast just to give you I guess a little quick summary as well we we try and encourage people to move away from the idea of work-life balance and and find a formula that works for them so just hearing your story for example and you talking about the sacrifices you had to make and the challenges you face being away from home for the sake of your career the, the point of, I guess, arming people with the confidence to own their own balance is to remove that guilt where you feel like you should be doing something. And of course, like sacrifices are one thing, but I feel like we all have those moments in life where we feel like we should be working less or should be working more or should be training harder or should be doing more self-care. And ultimately, it depends where you're at in life and, and what you're working towards. So if you're training for an Olympic game, I mean, that's not something I'm familiar with, but I can only imagine, you know, that needs a lot of dedication and focus. And so if you need to make those sacrifices, ideally that's what your balance looks like at that at that point in time. Now that you're becoming a mother and I guess you're stepping away and in that more recovery zone, giving yourself some time to work out how you're going to migrate into this next part of your career, your balance is going to look a lot different. So I'm really glad you shared, I suppose, what that moment in time looked like for you because I think it's really empowering for people to just hear these different parts of people's life because balance is not this fixed oh, okay I have work-life balance sorted and this is my life forever it's something you have to ongoingly address you know as life goes on yeah and that's so true and I think it's it's your ability to be able to adapt as your life changes is so important and like you said the balance isn't like 50% towards my running, 50% towards my work. Um, it's, it is, it's working out what your priorities are for yourself and um, in different parts of my life that has, you know, forever altered. And like you said, I'm, I'm about to become a mum. So the priority of, of being selfish and putting me first is going to shift, but um, that's totally okay because that's where I need to alter the balance of, of what is going on in my life. And yeah, I think it's so important to be adaptive. Absolutely. That resilience and that um, ability to be open to shifting priorities, I think is definitely key. I would like to know, did you ever experience, like obviously going to the Olympics is like extreme of like athletic career. That's like, you know, pretty high up in what you can achieve as an athlete. Did you ever experience any form of self-doubt or limiting beliefs in your journey of getting there? Oh, yes, totally. (laughs) In this sport, I feel like it's probably a constant battle between can you do it? Yes, I can. Um, It's, I think for the first Olympic Games, Um, it all just fell into place in the sense that I actually got the qualifying time 
uh, 24 hours after the date and had this you know huge battle with the federation to say can you still take me I'm the only girl I'm 22 years of age and not one other person in Australia is competing in this event and we had this kind of back and forth for a week or so where it was actually the media that picked it up and and put me forward so I had to be nominated awesome. um, so that was more not necessarily you know me doubting that I can go I, I did everything I could and then it was kind of out of my control but from then on when I realized that was exactly what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be um, you know I put all my focus into being a professional athlete and doing everything I needed to do to achieve the goals that I'd set in place and um, even just for example wanting to get the Australian record I think at first that was me just voicing a dream and you know thinking maybe one day but I was so far from it um, I don't think I deep down thought I could do it, but as you kind of move through your running career, things sometimes really fall your way and, and luck is on your side, whether it be just staying healthy um, and, and getting the right racing opportunities. But then other times you're faced with constant adversity, whether it just be you get sick or, you know, you have a family member got unwell and it kind of rocks your world for a little bit and you're distracted um, there's so many times where I doubted where I was heading. And I mean, two years before Tokyo Olympics, I nearly quit the sport just due to the trouble I was having with my Achilles. And I just thought maybe my body's done, you know, maybe it's at a point where it really doesn't want to keep moving forward. And I need to kind of find a new career that I'm as passionate about. But at the end of the day, I just thought, you know, there is nothing else I want to do. And, you know, I'm going to give it one more shot. And Tokyo's the goal, even though I thought it was only a year away at the time. Um, I just kind of buried my head in the sand and thought, I'm just going to work at this and hope for the best. And obviously, I got to where I wanted to go and I was actually in the best shape of my life. But then again, another hurdle, you know, I fall on the last barrier, rupture my Achilles and, and find myself in another um, kind of dark phase of doubt of what's next you know I was I'm 32 I had been doing this sport my whole life you know where do we go from here but when one door closes it sounds cliche but when one door closes I think there is opportunity to open another door to to move forward and and really it's all you can do when you when mm. you're faced with a roadblock and I think that's something that people can use in any field that they do, whether it's work, missing out on a promotion or um, even in a recreational sense, you know, they, they have fitness goals and um, something comes up that's preventing them from really gaining what they wanted. I think there's always an opportunity to look down a different road and, and, and obviously alter and, and change what it used to look like, but, um, you know, head in another direction with a different goal and, and fix what needs to be fixed and so on. So, yeah, I, I think that's just the main thing I've learned really on this long, long, <laughs> long journey. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's you're coming from a place where I guess you really already loved what you were doing. But I think what you've shared is really applicable for anybody listening who might be even trying something new or wanting to go in a direction, but really feeling that hesitation to do so. It's, it's almost like you don't know until you try firstly, but then exactly what you said, like if, if a door shuts in your face, like another opportunity will come up. And, and sometimes when you look back, like if everyone just listening now stops and thinks about 
an opportunity in their past that didn't work out that later down the track, you were like, oh, thank God that didn't work out because something else came up from it. Or, you know, because I met that person that introduced me to that person who was actually the person I was supposed to meet or whatever the case may be, whether it be a relationship or a job or anything, friendship, you know, I feel like that's something really important to remember because in the moment, it's so easy to go down that spiral of, you know, I'm not good enough and this isn't what I'm meant to be doing or I can't do this and, you know, feel like you want to give up and stop like you failed, but it's, it's, it's just good to pause. And, you know, if you have this little memory in your, in your box, I think if you just remember to remind yourself that in, in time, you'll work out why this roadblock's there or why this hurdle's there. I think that's a really good way to at least start working around the limiting beliefs and the doubts. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's your perspective. Um, you know, you can sit there and say, poor me, this is, this is so unfortunate. You know, this victim. didn't happen to anyone yeah. else. Yeah. But I mean, being a victim never, ever gets you out of, of what you're feeling. And I think that is something that I really, if there's anything I'm good at in my career from running, it's perspective changing. And I always let myself grieve. You can't, not be upset when something doesn't eventuate of course if you set your mind on Got a goal, process yeah yeah and it ends you need to go through the the whole grieving period but I think where people get in trouble is they get lost in that grieving period and lose direction and lose ambition to want to create a new goal but like you said there are always in every failure you've had I'm sure there was something that came out of it that led you down another path that actually led to something amazing Um, And it might be hard to even search for sometimes, but it's always there. And I can, every single massive upset that I've had in my life, it has led to something absolutely amazing and that I wouldn't change if I could go back. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing I would add there is I think sometimes people um, feel like that they define themselves by their failure. So if, if the thought is, you know, I can't do this, they actually then believe that about themselves. And so often we need to sit there and go, is this actually true? Like, just because I didn't get this job, does that mean I suck at my whole life? Like, that's absolutely not true. Like, sometimes those thoughts in those moments are so irrational. So I think if you pair that with the idea that it's probably a, a little bit of a pivot or a hurdle for some reason that you'll later down the track know, they're two things I guess you can work with to really overcome those that doubt and limiting belief. Um, but more on, I suppose, to you and your daily life, even as it is today, you've taken a step back from, you know, aiming for the Olympics, at least in this next year. What I guess keeps you grounded, or I like to say balanced, like that baseline level of just feeling balanced on a day-to-day basis. Do you have any sort of habits or rituals? People love hearing, I guess, other people's routines. Yeah. Well, I am such a creature of habit. I know they say most humans are, but for me, it just couldn't be more true. Uh, well, I you think said you're like, a list writer, so I'm not, I'm not uh, surprised. <laughs> yeah. I'm a list writer for like the day before my, my day approaches. I me have a too. list like, to the hour, um, but then I have like a list for the month. So it's like, what do I want to achieve in the month of March? Um, and then I have lists for like the goals of this year, you know, what out of 2022, what are the main things that, you know, I want to have achieved by the end of the year. And, and they're nothing crazy. Like sometimes it might be um, get eight hours of sleep most nights if possible. And if not try catch up those hours that you miss, you know, it's recovery is so important just for peace of mind. But for me, when it comes to just day-to-day sort of um, balance and, and motivation, I don't write lists because I'm crazy and, you know, <laughs> without having a list, I have no direction. It just, it puts things at ease for me. Um, 
just so that anxiety never is a factor. Um, so takes for it example, out of here. Yeah, it takes it out of you sitting there being like, oh my gosh, how am I going to approach today? It's really busy. I know I have a lot on. Um, so, you know, I go about everything that I have. Obviously, everything is very similar day to day. I usually try exercise in the morning. That's really important for me. Um, I have routine when it comes to eating. Um, I have routine even when it comes to I need downtime at some point of the day. Like, can you switch off? Is there any point of time where you can switch off? And that might not be till 5, 6 p.m. Um, and I think a big thing for me is with fueling my body. Um, I because I'm an athlete, I think that my mind can't really function at ease without knowing kind of my meal prep throughout the day. And something that's really taken the pressure off me is I am a My Muscle Chef ambassador. And I actually kind of got on board with them two years ago when I was thinking that I was preparing for Tokyo a year away. And um, dinner time for my husband and I, who is also an Olympian, is super important because we have to put a lot of emphasis on the different fuel groups we get, whether it's carb, protein, um, fats. And this is something that I used to probably fret about a little bit. My husband, he has had chronic fatigue just for underfueling. Um, I have found myself in difficult situations in the past by not fueling properly and just kind of waking up exhausted, mm. trying to exercise because I have to. Um, so at dinner, we kind of always sit down together and select meals based on what we have for the next day. If we have a really crazy session, we'll do a high protein meal. If we have um, more of a relaxed um, day following, we'll do less of a carbohydrate and protein meal and kind of go for taste. But um, when it comes to like our whole day routine, we really need to schedule fuel, fuel in before anything, because I think to have your mind at ease, you need to make sure that you know, you have sufficient amounts of um, protein, carbs, fats, anything. And yeah, that is always written on the top of my list. Watch Netflix, eat Muscle Chef, prepare for the next day, write your next list. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely having like the, the meals planned ahead of time. It's just, one, it's just a, one less thing you have to like plan for and think about. So I can imagine that would be such an easy option. Like if I don't meal prep, I already feel like that scatteredness in the morning like not knowing like all right now I have to make time to make lunch and you know so that would definitely make it make it a lot easier you said your husband was an um is is an Olympian what does he compete in he's a 1500 meter runner so he does yeah middle distance uh, a bit shorter than me um but we we met in actually in high school because we he was from uh New South Wales I was from Queensland so at nationals we would meet at like running events and I just knew of him because he was a bit of a prodigy and he was a bit arrogant <laughs> he knew how good he was I was a year older um but then just we always kept in touch I went off to America like I said for four years and he stayed in Australia and actually turned into a professional athlete at the age of 17 um and broke the Australian record at 19 so he was professions but by the 2012 Olympics, we um, rekindled our friendship and decided that we would like to start dating. And by 2013, we were dating. Um, we went to Rio Olympics together and actually awesome. hilariously both finished ninth in our event, which That's is freaky. Crazy. Yeah. And then um, he just missed out on Tokyo, but it's funny. He's actually going through an injury right now. So he's in the garage on the bike. And then when he's done, we swap and then I get on the bike. <laughs> So it's a very interesting household we have, but we complement each other in the sense that 
we do the exact same thing. We both, um, you know, put emphasis on all the important priorities in our life, like eating, sleeping, um, you know, being selfish, but together being selfish. Yeah, that would make <laughs> it easier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting life. Everyone laughs at the thought of us trying to raise a child in the near future. But um, like I said, we're really good at multitasking. So I'll nurse the baby while he cross trains or runs and then we'll switch. We'll switch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And if I read correctly, have you guys started like a running club or something? In Yes. Yeah. 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 So Tell me about that. We decided um, another thing with our sport that's really um, stressful at times is the fact that our sponsorships are based on performance. So we're both sponsored by Puma right now. We've been with, I've been with New Balance. We've both been with Nike um, and our current sponsor is Puma. However, it, yeah, it's based on how well you're running. And that's a really stressful thing to go through just as I said injury is so prevalent in our sport and both Ryan and I are over 30 and, and injuries do creep up it's it's inevitable and we decided we didn't want to just rely on on how good we could run to have our mainstream of income based on mm. on a running brand so we thought at the start of last year um, coming into the year we thought we need something else that one we're passionate about two we can do on the road and three something that just gives us another stream of income and um, allows us to focus on the main thing we want to do and, and that was be athletes so we launched Gregson running um, so that's Ryan's name obviously and I've taken that since being married and it's an online coaching, but it's all over the world. So we have clients from, yeah, everywhere. And we coach them pretty much day to day. We, we contact them via WhatsApp and we have a coaching platform and they pretty much just come to us with their goals, what they've done in the past, where they kind of want to go with running, whether it be lifestyle or performance um, based. And yeah, we, we really enjoy it because we get to know these people. And part of the whole cool journey for them is we keep them involved with what we've got going on, whether it's races coming up, um, what our next goal is. I've obviously told everyone I'm trying to go to my fourth Olympics and you create just like a, a friendship with them, um, mm. which is really the fun part for me. And, you know, a lot of them ask advice about just the mental side of running, which everyone probably underestimates how, how, unbelievable um, yeah. It is. yeah it's 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 the main part of it all so it's been a fun little adventure for us and it is something that we can continue doing when we start a family so it's it's been really good oh that sounds lovely just on the note of um like mindset when you're running I I think during lockdown I took up running just because it wasn't many other options and I, I really enjoyed it but I remember the first time I did it I was super aware of like the mental struggle with it just having spoken to a lot of other people who were trying to get into running and I remember like my brain was literally saying to me just stop just give up just stop like you're not a runner and I was like fighting with myself in my head while I'm trying to run this 5k <laughs> but like it's it's unbelievable like you could have a day where you're just so energized and you're feeling so confident and you smash it out and then a day where you're just like not really feeling it and it makes such a difference like and the only difference is like where your head's at yeah and and if it makes you feel any better as a professional athlete where my one thing to do is 
be running, I have those battles. There's some days where I'm out there and I'm like, you're, you're done. This is, I'm at, I'm at my wit's end now. Like I can't do this, but it's, it's almost part of the beauty. And I think that's what's so important when it comes to finding something like that, that you want to do. And it doesn't have to be running, but any fitness goal um, is going to have its challenges. And there is going to be time where you doubt yourself or it gets difficult. And I think this, um, the best approach is, is finding what makes you happy and how you go about it and, and finding a sustainable routine rather than saying, I'm going to wake up every morning and run 5k because that's what I need to do. Like, it's not going to be fun that way. There's no direction or reasoning behind why you're doing it. Mm. Um, you need to kind of create a routine that is sustainable for you and it'll look different for every single person. And you just need to find a way to, yeah, fuel that dream. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Now on the topic of, I guess, your relationship with exercise, I know you've just given us a little insight, which is also humbling to know that a, an Olympian also uh, gets that negative chatter in their head as well as a, as a lay person who can't run. So that's good to know. <laughs> but in terms of like your, um, your, I guess, trajectory now that you've, you're going through a pregnancy, how has your relationship with exercise and fitness changed or grown or just, you know, pivoted? Yeah, it, it definitely has changed. Um, I think the main thing is, as I said, it was always I was always performance driven. And I think that's why I've managed to come as far as I have in my sport. But just with the last two major injuries and, and deciding to want to become a mom and start a family, um, my relationship with exercise in general, because I haven't been able to run much in the last few months, um, has really shifted to more of um, a holistic approach. I would say that it's now for me, I do it more for the endorphins to make me feel better. Um, I think I've always been a type of person that will always exercise. I've, I've never, you know, been excited about the point in my life where I don't have to run anymore. It's, it's, I always say to people, I'll be that 80 year old lady <laughs> that's shuffling down fully the street. tanned yeah. with like yeah. just yeah. shuffling there like and they you, live at the beach <laughs> yeah and you can't even tell if she's jogging or walking it's just kind yeah. of like a bouncy Movement. walk <laughs> yeah um you know I always said that would be me and I think yeah that's the beauty in this next phase of my life is um I'm taking away that that forceful sort of performance driven desire to just be the best at what I'm doing and switching it to more uh, holistic in the sense that it is what makes me feel me is, mm. is getting out and exercising. Even if it's a slow ride, reading a book on in my garage on a stationary bike, or it might be a long swim on a Sunday. And that's more due to the fact that I'm in this phase of being pregnant and I'm trying to go easy on myself. But I also am a health freak in the sense that I always have wanted to fuel my body well. Mm. I I don't binge on junk food all the time. Of course, I love it and I, I can enjoy bad food, but having a schedule of, of healthy eating and exercising on a regular basis is, is something that has really kind of hit home for me since Tokyo last year. And um, having things like My Muscle Chef has allowed me to just really focus on being healthy, feeling good about myself um, and, and moving that pressure away from you have to wake up, you have to train hard, you have to get the most out of your day to I want to wake up, I want to mm -hmm. get on the bike, I want to go for a swim, I want to go for a long walk um, and it's just shifted my mentality and, and that's why I think 
even though there is a massive challenge ahead of me, I do believe that, um, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy the journey, whether I make it to the end goal or not. It's going to be such a fun next few uh, years for me trying to make Paris and, and more because I've been able to shift that relationship I've had previously with exercise to now feeling the way I do. Yeah, no, that's really nice. And just thinking about, I guess, your career, at least like 10 years and the amount of Olympics you've done, like this is probably the first time you've been able to stop and be like, well, what do I actually want to do? Because it makes me feel good, not because I have to or because I have these goals. So that's actually probably a really enjoyable period that you're going through. And then when you go back to move towards that Olympics, like you're kind of bringing that fresh perspective with the performance driven, like that sounds like that could be like the perfect combination. (laughs) And that's it. And everyone says that they're like, Oh, how are you dealing with this time where, you know, you're not, you don't have a race on the schedule. You know, you must be struggling because you're such a performance driven person, but because I've been able to change that mindset, it's just a breath of fresh air. I feel relief. I feel like this period of time, I'm going to enjoy it while it's here. And like you said, by the time 2023, where I'm trying to qualify for 2024, you know, by the time that rolls around, I just feel like my mindset is just going to be in such a better place. And for anyone trying to push themselves to a new goal, how hard is it when you're already up against it and stressed and anxious and you feel like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders? How how in the world are you supposed to approach a hefty goal with all of that? I think um, you really need to take all of that away and start fresh and feel happy with yourself and where you're at and what you want to achieve before you can, you know, move forward and, and really approach a big challenge. Mm, it's like having that just like a reflective pause. It's a complete break. So you have perspective on these things. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, I've really loved getting to know you today on this episode. I know it's only been 40 or so minutes, but I really do appreciate your time. I know the listeners would have also gotten a lot out of not only your story, but the high level, I guess, principles that I think everyone can apply to their day-to-day life. So thank you so, so much for coming on. And if people want to follow along your journey or connect with you, where's the best place they can do so? Yes. So I do pretty much document everything I do on Instagram and it's Jen, Jen underscore Lacaz. Uh, or you can just search my name, Genevieve Gregson. Uh, and yeah, I do try to be as transparent as possible and show um, all the ups and downs, but it's interesting at the moment because a lot of the posts are more just about me growing and trying to exercise through it. So <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to follow along, please do. Awesome. Well, I'll pop links in the show notes below. Thank you again so much. And I look forward to seeing what the next couple of years brings for you. Thanks so much, Erica. It was lovely to chat.